Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Well, good morning. Echo. Can you bring up the first scripture, Holly, please? Ephesians. Well, so this morning we're going to be continuing our study through uh, the topic of spiritual warfare and also specifically overcoming the enemy in our lives. And so today we're going to be talking about the spirit of accusation. First Corinthians, uh, sorry, pardon me, Ephesians says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're also instructed in Scripture to take every thought captive, and bringing it into the obedience of Christ Jesus. And so scripture teaches us that though we live in a physical world, the reality of our situation is that we are waging a spiritual warfare. And that warfare usually takes place first in the mind. And so when we talk about taking thoughts captive or fighting spiritual warfare in high places, we have to remember that we're often not struggling against flesh and blood, against people, against things in this world. What we're actually struggling against are the railings of an enemy that wants to destroy you and is waging warfare against you. And so this series is designed to help you take thoughts captive, to recognize the attacks, and to deal with them in a manner that's uh, in line with Scripture. And so today we're going to be talking about a spirit of accusation. And just to lighten it up before we do that, because everybody has dealt severely with accusation, I believe. Nobody is exempt. Accusation has hurt a lot of people, and it can, be a, it can, can stretch up some old memories and some old feelings. I want you to first think of this old memory, and that is Merry Melodies. Has anybody ever watched Merry Melodies? Bug Bunny? Sam? Yeah, okay, great. I, I, I loved that show. So, true story. When that used to come on, they used to be like, they'd have their big parade, and they're like, tonight's the night, you know, and they'd be like, this whole special. I used to convince my parents that that was like the episode of the year. Oh, mom, dad, this is the special one. See, they're doing the parade, tonight's the night. I'm like, I can't miss this. And my parents would be like, okay, fine, you can stay up and watch it. And I'm like, yes, right? Anyways, some of my favorite scenes from that was when uh, Bugs Bunny was squaring off with, uh, with Yosemite Sam. There was a few other examples of it. Right? And there's this one part where with orchestra music playing, one would chase the other one with a weapon, right? And then they go off scene, and then that person who was just being chased would come back with a bigger weapon, right? And he chased the other guy. And then Sam would come back with a bigger weapon. And then it would go back and forth until somebody rolled out a tactical nuclear missile on wheels, right? <laughs> like it was one cannon after another. Somebody brought out a tactical missile or something, right? And it just like, and then they brought out a bigger tactical missile with like saw blades that were spinning. And like, it just got so crazy until the point where they collided and it all exploded. And that's kind of like when you're dealing with a spirit of accusation. It's like what starts as a sometimes an offhanded comment, sometimes it's not even an accusation, but because you're struggling with the, uh, a collaborative uh, relationship with this spirit, that sometimes you just take what person says and you're like, oh, I've been a, what? How, how can they say that about me? You know, and it starts this, well, you know, and you get into a fight, and we've all been there, and I don't want to go there, but I know personally with my wife, like, if I say something like, well, you did this, and then I'll come back, well, five years ago, you did this, and it hasn't stopped. 
And then I'll be like, yeah, well, 10 years ago, right? And then, it, you know, you, if, you, if you allow accusation to go, you just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until all of a sudden your argument turns into a giant explosion and everybody crawls away from it going, I was awful. I feel awful about that. I don't even know how to get out of this situation. It's like, you know, and, and, and forgiveness sometimes and asking for forgiveness can be really complicated after that because so many hurtful things were said. And so an accusing spirit... When you're collaborating with an accusing spirit, it's not a minor thing. Like, we're not talking about name-calling here, okay? An accusing spirit is a pretty significant tactic of the enemy. And uh, an accusing spirit opens up the doorways of attack. It's like, you know, the expression, shots fired, right? Oh, shots fired! You know, somebody says something. It's like, okay, well, that a battle starts with a shot fired. And so an accusing spirit will start that ball rolling, so to speak. And so the enemy... The enemy is on ball and on point with that. So characteristics of accusation. So what is accusation? Ac accusation, first of all, is not judgment. Sometimes people misunderstand what accusation is. They'll say, oh, you're judging me because somebody said something. It's like, no, no, no. Accusation is not judgment. See, accusation is just an, an accusation. Judgment is facts weighed truth discerned, and in some cases, punishment issued. Accusation is simply, you did this. It's an accusation. And Acts 24, verse 13, for example, says, neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me, because they're not proving anything. It's an excuse. It's a, just an accusation, okay? So you're not being judged. Accusation is not judgment. And sometimes Christians get confused. They think when they're being accused or when they're accusing others, they think they're all of a sudden being judged, but actually the accuser, the spirit of accusation is accusing you of being judged. See, it's, 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 it's kind of tricky there. So accusation is simply a perception of wrong committed and declared. Okay, so accusation is simply like, I interpret that you did this against me, and so therefore I'm going to scream it to the hilltops, and I'm going to make sure you know about it. And so per people can feel accused. That can come out of your pain, in your experience, in your life situations. It can come out of conditioning, where over the years you've been conditioned to perceive certain things as an attack against you, to the point where you can be standing in a lineup, somebody laughs that you don't even know, and you're like, oh, they're talking about me. Okay, that's a spirit of accusation. So accusation can be directed at others in general. Okay, and when when we're talking about accusation towards others in general, usually what's also involved there is spirit of bitterness, anger, and self-pity tends to be involved. Because, you see, when it comes to spiritual warfare, um, the spirits of the enemy, of Satan, these little filthy, little nasty spirits of iniquity, they don't um, travel alone very often. They usually travel in pairs or, better yet, in groups. Um, you can direct your accusation towards God. And usually when this occurs, there's a, like a blasphemous spirit that's involved because what you're actually saying is when you accuse God of anything other than being good, what you're actually doing is saying that you're not who you say you are. You're a liar. It gets really serious, real somber, real quick when I say that. But it is true. Like when you accuse God of not being good, then you're accusing him. You're maligning his character. You know, for a person to sit back and say, God wants me to be sick or God 
this is somehow bringing God glory. It's like, I'm sorry, but that's perverse and blasphemous because that's not who God said he is. And the spirit of accusation wants you to see God in a twisted light. Um, You can even accuse Satan for your misfortunes, erroneously. A spirit of passivity will join you to blame Satan for your decision, saying you are in bondage, and therefore there is nothing you can do about it. Woe is me, poor me, just a victim. The devil made me do it. I'm not responsible for my actions. I'm in bondage. And when God decides it's a good time, he'll free me from this bondage. It's not even my fault. I'm going to accuse everybody except myself. But you can also accuse yourself. And a condemning spirit and a spirit of depression will join in that party. Oh, I'm just not good enough. I can never do anything right. I drop everything. You know what they used to call me at my job? Deck. Drop everything, Chris. Like, I'd be on the ladder, and everything was dropping. Like, people wore hard hats when they didn't need to because if they were around me, because if I was up on the ladder, right, and the, the joke was always there. It's like, oh, do you got that, Chris? Don't drop it. And I, I would. Dang, now that I drop it. <laughs> no matter how hard I try. So accusation has a foundation in fear. So just like everything else in the kingdom of Satan, Fear, the foundation of fear is, is what the enemy launches from. And so accusation is no different because accusation comes from fear because fear, when you're in fear, you're in fight or flight. You're ready for something. And, you're, and usually it's when emotions are high and something has happened or you perceive an incoming threat and you're just like, you immediately go into your experience rather into God's truth. And that's the, and which is usually fear. And you'll, you'll hear um, statements such as, I'm not accusing you, I am simply stating facts. Has anybody ever heard that before? I'm not accusing you. Like, or you say to somebody, oh, that hurt. Why are you accusing me? Of that? I'm not accusing you. I'm simply stating facts. That was my favorite line. I used to love saying that because I thought myself very intellectual. Right? And what you're actually saying there is, I'm the right one, and you are wrong, therefore you are less than what you need to be. Or how about you always do this or you never do that? Meaning every single time you try to do something, you don't do it right. That's an accusation. And when you say that to somebody, what you're actually what they hear you saying is this is who I am to you. So when they say to you, you always do this, That means whenever I look at you, this is who you are to me. How can I love a person like you? And the spirit of accusation is sitting with that person saying, this is what they're actually saying to you. Or you are judging me. Only God can judge me. Accusation attempts to collaborate with you to form a fight or flight response based in fear. So a person who is attacked by accusation will often and easily collaborate with the attacker and will attempt to increase the attack in order for them to ensure justice is done. Meaning this, when somebody launches an accusation at you, or if you launch an accusation at someone else, what ends up happening is the accuser, the spirit of accusation, takes two steps over and then says to the other person, are you gonna take that? That's not true. This is their problem. If they didn't do this, they're totally blind to it. See that, you know, and puts that thought. They don't take a captive. So they launch another accusation of the approachers, and it's Bugs Bunny and Sam, until all of a sudden there's an explosion. 
And so the spirit of accusation, if you experience, if you feel like you're accused an awful lot, it's, there's a very high probability that you actually yourself are dealing with this or struggling or collaborating with a spirit of accusation. Spirit of accusation is, is not one-sided. It plays both sides. That's how wars are started. Now, has anybody ever seen a war movie or played paintball and seen like smoke, a smoke grenade go off? Ever seen one of those things? Smoke just goes everywhere. Could be colored. Maybe it's not. Say, so when I played paintball, um, back when I had more money and I wasn't in less responsibility, um, I had these uh, smoke grenades. And so when we were in a scenario where we were trying to meet our objectives, um, tactically, smoke grenades were very, very useful. Um, so, for example, if I wanted to cover what we were trying to accomplish, so if I was trying to take out, like, rescue a hostage or, you know, whatever the scenario was for the game, because they were pretty in-depth games, there were prizes and there was, like, all these guys in tack gear, and they took it very seriously. And so we're all there. And so if I wanted to cover the movements of what we were trying to accomplish, sometimes you'd launch, you know, use this expensive smoke grenade, sacrifice it in order to, to cover what you're doing in the hopes of creating a little bit of confusion. Or if I wanted to convince the enemy that we were actually attacking over there, somebody would go over there, launch the grenade, fire a few shots, and then all of a sudden in the background there was a whole group moving into the object, real objective. So it distracted everybody. And so when it comes to a spirit of accusation, the spirit of accusation positions itself and conducts itself in such a way that it, it makes it very difficult to distinguish what the real problem is. Spirit of accusation will, will say, it's this or it's that. The real problem is because you're an idiot. And the real problem is because you don't, you don't, you don't do enough dishes. And the real problem is that you just don't get up early enough in the morning. And the real reason is because you don't pray enough. Or, you know, and it, it will distract you from the real issue at hand. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, the spirit of accusation is like the smoke grenade or the fog of war of spiritual warfare. It tries to confuse and muddy the water, so to speak. What's the real issue? And so this is when it becomes very important as a man or woman of God to be able to tap into the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, practice a little discernment. And say, what's really going on here? What's really happening? And that can be difficult because the spirit of accusation also will try to convince you that your assumptions that you accuse people with are based in wisdom and that you are discerning. The spirit of accusation is Satan's counterfeit for discernment the spirit of discernment, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It tries to convince you that your experience is absolute truth and therefore applies to everyone and everything around you rather than God's truth. And you are wise to perceive. And how many times have you said it or heard other people say, I know what's going on here. Oh, I know what they're, I don't even finish speaking. I already know what you're going to say. I already know. I've done this a hundred, yep. Experience talking here, you're an idiot. That's, you know, like that's, and that, so, but keep in mind that godly discernment brings restoration. And accusations discernment brings more warfare and fighting and pain. Just a little tidbit there. So, accusation, where did it come from? Revelations 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Revelations, by the way, my favorite, one of my favorites. 
of course. Who, is, who, who doesn't like revelations? Now salvation is strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So accusation came from Satan. No big surprise. I mean, what, what bad thing didn't come from Satan originally, right? Like from his kingdom. So accusation came from Satan. Actually, in reality, Satan is the accuser. He's the father of lies. So it kind of lines up nicely with that. And so Satan is, is the accuser of the brethren. So why should we not accuse? Why should we fight and guard ourselves against accusation in terms of participating with it? Because we don't want to collaborate and do his job for him. When we launch accusation against people with an eye to just gain justice for ourselves rather than bring restoration, we are operating as Satan. Unwittingly sometimes. And the same way when it's pointed, to, pointed at and directionally at you as well. So because Satan spurred this accusation, this, this idea of accusation out, and he carried it through the ages... The reason that he's so good at it is because originally, as you recall, Satan, his name was Lucifer, and his job was in heaven leading worship to God. And there wasn't a whole lot. He was the covering cherub, the Bible says, until iniquity was found in him. And Satan decided one day that God didn't deserve the job that he did. And so essentially what, what Satan became was he said he became unhappy with the identity that God had gave him. And he didn't like the identity God had. And he decided he wanted to switch. And so what accusation actually does in reality is accusation is seeking to, to rob you of your identity. It's not just to create smoke, although it does that. Accusation wants to take the identity that God says concerning you and wants to rip it away and say, give you back, this is what you really are. You're too short. You're a short person. You're not good enough. You're dumb. Whatever the case is. And so in our culture today, in our society, we struggle with accusation. And we see it everywhere. There's lots, it's a big topic now, identity crisis. Everybody's like, who am I? What am I? Maybe I'm not what God made me to be. Maybe I'm not what God, what I was born on my birth certificate. It's an identity crisis. And this is a spirit of accusation having heyday in our nation and society. And so what we're actually struggling against is not an identity issue, but an accusation that we're something other. Thoughts not captured. And so accusation's realized objective is this. Simply put, a spirit of accusation wants to rob you and others of the identity God has established. It wants to convince you that God is not enough and that you are not enough. There are, of course, other spirits of anger and self-pity that will also build on this loss of identity, but the loss of identity is paramount. That's his chief, that's the spirit of accusation's chief objective is to rob you of your identity or to make you believe a lie. If the enemy can convince you that you are something other than what God has said, then you are no longer in faith. Because how can you be something, if you're something other than what God has said, then how can you qualify for the blessings and promises of God concerning that identity? Once convinced of a false identity, you will always strive to have a little more of whatever accusation says you lack 
to gain God's favor and yet will never obtain it. And no, no number of years in the Lord, no amount of knowledge and no amount of prayer will ever be enough to convince accusation that you're good enough. Because, newsflash, you're not. You're not good enough. And so accusation plays on that fact, takes a little bit of truth, mixes it with a lie, and gets you to swallow it. It's only because of Christ. Only Christ is good enough. Only Christ, his righteousness, his righteousness are we in that identity. That's what, they're, he's, that's what the enemy is trying to rob you of. And only the blood of Christ can silence the accuser. So he wants you out of that. He wants you stepping out of that. And with that, Allison, my lovely wife, is going to come up, and she's going to talk about how to overcome. Thank you. All right, so I get the fun, I get the fun half of the message, <laughs> which is overcoming accusation. So Chris did a really good job in defining it, and uh, we're going to talk about overcoming accusation. And how we overcome accusation is, like Chris said, knowing our identity, knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. That's how we overcome. We need to bring back our identity in God, knowing who we are as his. And just as like a little veering left side note for just a second, uh, we were listening to some really great teaching this week on accusation from Being Health, and the pastor said something that I thought was, was really significant, so I just wanted to share it with you. Um, you know, in the Bible, when God talks about, you know, the heirs of God, the sons of God, you know, and the sons of God are, you know, and we can be the, um, the, the heirs of something or the son of God of something or the bride of Christ, and there's all these, like, terms that are used. And um, he said something really interesting is that when God uses those terms, sonship isn't actually a gender-specific term. Sonship is a title. And that title in, uh, qualifies you to inherit everything that God has. It's, it's people, it's us who assign it, whether like you know male or female. We make it have some sort of gender assignment, but God doesn't. So when God talks about um, being the sons of God and, and inheriting all the things that God has for you or being the bride of Christ and inheriting everything uh, that God has and joining with him. It's not gender specific. It's for everybody. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. So when you're reading the Bible and you say, you know, and they were the sons of God, you know, you can include yourself in that because you are. That's your title. You're an inheritor of everything that God has. So in breaking accusation, that has everything to do with the truth. Because like Chris said, accusations are lies. And so when I, accusation tries to identify you with who you're not, you need to remember that God is always calling you out as who you are, who he created you to be. The heart of accusation comes from Satan pointing his finger at God and saying, you know, you should have done this or you didn't do that. You're, you're you know, and he assigns lies to the nature of God. Um, if you guys remember the Garden of Eden, what did Satan say to Eden? He said, did God really say, is he actually good? You know, is his nature true? So what is he really saying? He's saying, if God really didn't say, do, or say what he said he said, then God is a liar. So what Satan accuses God of, he is himself, right? He, he points the finger at God and he says, you're a liar. You're, what you say isn't true, but really he's the liar. So when you're reading scripture in the Bible that says you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, or I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, or that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you sit there and you think to yourself, yeah, well, 
maybe that guy, you know, maybe that's at work in, in her life, but it's not for me. You know, that's that same accusing spirit that the enemy sets out towards the father saying what you say isn't true. And that is so, so crucial that we know that the father is who he says he is, right? Because that's our foundation. So I just want to quickly share a story. You guys know how I love my stories now because <laughs> I've been telling a lot of them. And uh, this one happened, I was in the shower, which I realized when I say that out loud, most of my stories happen there. I don't know why. Apparently, I need to take more showers. It's spiritual or something. I think maybe it's just because it's the only time I'm alone because <laughs> I have kids. But uh, so this was like four or five years ago. I was in the shower, and, like I said. And um, all of a sudden, I had this overwhelming like panic attack. And I'd never had one before. I don't, I don't even think I've ever had one since. Actually, I did have a energy drink induced one one time. That was not a good time. That was a bad trip. I had like this new energy drink and it was like really like intense. I think they since banned some of the chemicals that were in that thing. That made my heart beat real fast. But anyway, that bad decision aside. So I'm, I'm having, I'm in the shower and having this is so intense. It's like this anxiety attack and I'm crying, I'm freaking out. And all I can say is what it felt like is like, like God had taken his spirit away from me. I was like, God, where are you? And I could not feel him and I was losing it. And uh, just this massive panic attack. And it really shook me, like it shook me right to the core. Cause I was like, what was that? Like, what was that? And I really struggled for a really long time what that was, what did it mean? Like, and I kept asking God, like, what was it? And I was trying to find meaning in that moment. And uh, I remember thinking like, maybe God, like, was it like you were just trying to let me feel like what Jesus felt when he was on the cross, you know, and, and you took your spirit from him? And yeah, yeah, that must be it. It was like, you know, like kind of like a weak band-aid for that moment. But I was like, that, that could be it. God was just, God was showing me what it was like for Jesus. And we were just you know, now I know what that felt like. and But I still wasn't satisfied with that answer because it didn't feel right. And uh, it wasn't until I went through Highway to Wholeness here at the church uh, that uh, at some point God was talking to me and he was like, do you remember that time in the shower? And I'm like, yeah, hard to forget. It was pretty jarring. Um, and he was like, you assigned that to me. And I was like, well, yeah. He's like, that wasn't me. And all of a sudden, I had this realization that I had been attacked by an unclean spirit at that moment. And I had assigned that moment to God. So I had an error in my heart about the nature of God, that God would put me through something like that, something so terrible to just have an experience. And I had to repent for that because that was not the part of the nature of God, right? God is in the business of giving us more of his spirit and taking it away. And um, and I had to repent for that. And do you guys remember the the eight R's that I talked about a couple of weeks ago? You know, sometimes we got to go through that. And I mean, I I like sharing stories because I want to remind you guys, like, I'm just like you. I struggle. You know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, Ooh, sometimes you know, and um, I have my bad days. And like, I'm a, I am a work in progress. I I am not any better to be standing on this stage. You know, like we are all working out our salvation with fear and trembling here. And so this is one point that I really want to drive home with you guys is that it is so important to stop collaborating with Satan in the accusation of God. And he loves to accuse God. That's his, that's his, his jam and us. Because we find our identity in Christ. So if God could possibly 
If there's a chink in the armor, if God possibly isn't who he says he is, how could we possibly be who he says we are? If our foundation isn't rock solid, that God is good and he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does, then how could we possibly be anything that God says that he says we are? It rocks that foundation of our identity and who we are in Christ. And so that's why it's so important to break that collaboration with the enemy in the accusation of God because we, we have nothing to stand on if God is not true, right? If what God says is false or what God says is, is tricky, you know, then we're not on the rock anymore. We're on sand. And it's so, so important. It will shake our whole foundation of who we are. So has anybody ever read that book, Punchinello, by Max Lucado? You ever seen Punchinello? Okay. So you know who I'm talking about? It's like a little puppet. And in the book, uh, he goes around, and everybody's giving each other stickers. And you get a round sticker if you do something bad, and you get a gold star if you do something good. Three gold stars. And, of course, Punchinello has no gold stars. He's full of stickers. And uh, he's kind of clunky, and he's sad, you know. And uh, the story has him meeting this girl, Lucia, and Lucia has no stickers. And he's very shocked by this because he's like, why do you have no stickers at all? Like, no good ones, no bad ones. And she's like, well, I go see Eli every day. And I'm like, ooh, I wonder who Eli is. And uh, so Punchinello goes with Lucia to go meet Eli. And Eli turns out to be the woodworker because they're puppets. And he's Eli, uh, Punchinello's creator. And as he spends more time with Eli, his stickers start falling off. And I love that story because it really talks about our identity in Christ. The more time that we spend with God knowing who we are in him and who he says that we are, the less that identities from other people that they try to stick on us or those accusations, they don't stick, right? They have no meaning. And um, so I'm going to pick on Neil. If I was to say, Neil, you're a chair, Neil would be like, okay. You know, is he going to be offended or, like, really, like, rocked by that? Be like, you're a chair, Neil. You're a chair. He'd be like, okay, Allison, you have, did you have your coffee. You know. Um, <laughs> goes to Neil. Goes to Margo. Like, I don't know about that one. But would he be uh, offended by that? Would he go home and cry that I called him a chair? Well, no. Because Neil is a human being. And he knows he's a human being. And he's pretty solid in the fact that I'm a human being. I am flesh and bone. I am not a chair. But what if I was to say, you're not good enough, you're ugly, you know, uh, you're a mistake, you're not lovely, you'll never make it, it'll work for them but not for you. Now these are accusations that hit a little closer to home, but they're still just as untrue as calling Neil a chair. And the closer we get to the heart of God and understanding our identity in Christ, that we, those things don't matter. You know, somebody might say to me, well, pff, you're ugly. I'd be like, that's okay. Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that God looks at the inward parts of the heart and not the outside. Well, you're a terrible singer. I'm like, that's okay. The Bible says to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Didn't specify a good one. <laughs> you know? So we've got to dig deep into the Bible and know who we are. So does anybody remember Gideon from the Bible? I like this guy. Makes Actually, this made me think of you, Mark, because you say it all the time. Um, Gideon had a really bad spirit of accusation. He thought very poorly of himself. What did he say? Oh, I'm nobody. I'm the lowest of my tribe. I'm the lowest tribe. Let's modernize that a little bit. I have no Facebook friends. Nobody follows me on Twitter. 
You know, I have three Insta followers and two of them are my mom's accounts. You know, like, I am a loser. I don't have any friends. Uh, my job sucks. You know, uh, all my bills are going to that massive debt that I built up. Like, who knew college was expensive? Like, what? You know, and so Gideon has this very low opinion of himself. But what was God's opinion of him? He said, mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor. Now, was Gideon at that moment behaving like a mighty man of valor? No. No, he wasn't. Do we always behave as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Are we always, like, you know, flowing in the gifts of the Spirit? Are we already arrived at, you know, who God's created us to be? No, but does that change who we are? It doesn't. Because God had created Gideon to be a mighty man of valor. That's who he had called out. That's who he had created Gideon to be. So whether he was behaving as such or not did not change who he was. And whether you're behaving, you know, there's sin in your life, you deal with that sin. But you're not your worst moment. You're not your worst decision. That's not who you are. That's not who God created you to be. He's calling you out to be the son and daughter of God that he created. Now, I have a little example, because also, you know how I love my examples. Who remembers toilet paper from a couple weeks ago, huh? Yeah, yeah. see, it sticks in your mind. <laughs> I just have zipper issues. Okay. What is this? $50 bill. Okay. Now, what if I do this? Okay, hold on. I got a stamp on it. I'm going to try to chuck it. <laughs> okay. That went further than last time. <laughs> What's this worth? $50. That's right. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Isn't that lovely? At one time, we thought Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Isn't that interesting? We think we know somebody, but when we see them from a spiritual perspective, we know them differently. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. You are a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun, a new life. Now, I love the English language here. It's this lovely little piece of grammar we have. It's called the exclamation point right on the end there. So it's not like a new life has begun. It's a new life has begun. It's exciting. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, all things. So we just need to walk in the newness of life. God has prepared for us to walk as victorious overcomers in him. It is so exciting. And so when I pray for people, I try to call out what God sees. And I ask him, what do you, who do you say this person is? God, who do you say that I am? And I call out what God sees, not what I see. You know, the Bible talks about building yourself up in your most holy faith. And you've got to call yourself out as who you are. You know, I'm the head and not the tail. You know, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Just incredible things. We just be, I'm the heir to the things of God. Christ himself said that I would do greater things than the things that he said that, that he even did on the earth. And that's what we have to walk in as believers. All my sin is taken as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that incredible? I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus today. All right, let's look at Ephesians 2. This is one of my all-time favorite scriptures of all time all time. 
All right, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Isn't that awesome? You're not his first draft that he kind of crumpled up and threw in the garbage. You know, you're not the second draft or he's got smudge marks and erased lines. You're his masterpiece. He has created us anew. There it is again. We're new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. I love this so much. I like to just like take one scripture. I can make like 15 sermons out of this one scripture. It's so good. I want you to look at this last line so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So God created you to do good works long ago. Now, I don't know about you, but like I haven't lived probably as long as God. I'm assuming he's older. And um, so long ago must be a really long time ago. So even before I was born, God had already ideas and had created things for me to do that were good. How cool is that? He had good plans for me already set out before I was even a glint in my father's eye, you know. Um, And he had good things for you planned out for you to walk in. And how do you know if you're beat up and you're tired and you're you're insecure and you're hurt and and you're in pain, you're not exactly running out to go do good things, right? This is where my mind goes. So God not only created these good things for me to do, but for me to do the good things, he created purpose for me. Because I've got purpose now. Isn't that incredible? He not only makes us new in Christ Jesus, but he gives us purpose to go with that newness of life. Now, if I've got purpose, then he's got plans. And if he's got plans, I know that my God only makes good plans. And so he's created good plans for me to walk in and plans for me to prosper as a person so that I can do those good things. How amazing is God? Like, come on, church. We are built to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. And our value and identity is found and rooted and grounded on a good God, a God who's incredible, a God who keeps his promises, a God who's faithful, a God who loves us unconditionally, no matter where we've been or what we've done, and who's provided salvation, who had the idea for salvation even before the world was created. So before you even knew what fresh air tasted like or what sunshine looked like he had already figured out a plan to rescue you wow like isn't God incredible and so this is how we break accusation because I I look at myself I look at God and I I know I see the truth of God and the greatness of who God is and then I can look at myself and say yeah and I'm not where I'm going you know I can be happy with who I am now, but I can also be excited for the person that God is helping me to become or the one that he's planned for me to walk out. I can't wait to do those good works I haven't even done yet. I don't even know what they are, you know? That's exciting. And so when I look at somebody else, I see, you know, I look, you know, it's, it's the hardest with your spouse, granted. So I look at my spouse, you know, and maybe he hasn't taken out the recycle and the garbage and it's driving me crazy because it's like his one domestic chore, you know, but... <laughs> relatable okay so but I'm looking at him and I'm like amen yeah no okay so I'm looking at my husband I'm like there's a man of God now I might not feel like it I might not feel like I'm seeing it right now either in the mirror or with somebody else but I can look at who God has created him to be and call that out instead so I can say thank you God that you've created my husband to be a man of God or you can pray for myself thank you God that you've created me to be a woman of God I am a in the sonship of Christ. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you for the good works that you've called out in me. I thank you that I am courageous and that I have good character and that I always tell the truth. And like, even if they're not things you're doing right now, 
thinking it's still who you are. God has created you in his image, his image. And don't ever let a spirit of accusation tell you otherwise, because it's a lie. It might be something you've done, yeah. You know, somebody can go to you and say, you stole something. Well, that's not an accusation if it's true. If you actually stole something, you know, put it back and pay for it, make it right. But you're not a thief. That's not who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. That's who you are. And uh, I have another little story. So, I know, they keep coming. So, uh, this one's really close to home, though. So, Chris talked uh, last time he preached about pain points sometimes that we have, and he shared that his was pressure to perform. Well, mine is also pressure to perform. So, a lot of times, for myself, I have a hard time finding my identity in anything other than what I do. So if I'm not productive or I'm not doing a lot or I don't feel like I have purpose, I can start to feel pretty down on myself. Or there was one time where we were in Cuba, actually with Pastor Travis and Camilla, and I had a little bit of a breakdown because there was nothing for me to do. And I didn't know how to just be a person. <laughs> so God and I have been working on that. Um, but there was this one moment not too long ago. It was a few months ago. Uh, Chris has this fish tank at work. And he had this snail in it, and the snail was growing, like, really fast, like, really fast. They were afraid it was going to, like, become a kraken in the Bay of Quinney. the ships. So he separated it. It was launching off the side of the tank and, like, trying to catch fish. Like, this is, like, the snail was, like, doing things. So they separated it, and he just put it in a plain fish tank. Nothing, literally nothing in the tank except for this snail, which smelled fishy after a while. It was not my favorite thing. Um, and then I find out it's an apple snail, and they're an invasive species for North America. I was like, and it's your pet. <laughs> and uh, we named it Macintosh, though, because we found out it was an apple snail, so I thought that was pretty clever. But uh, one day, Chris and my youngest daughter, Maya, were sitting at the coffee table, not the coffee table, the dinner table, and the tank was there in the middle, and they're just staring at it. And I mean, to be, to be fair, it is kind of cool when it starts to come out of its shell a little bit. It's got like tentacles and like things coming out and it's kind of funky and you can see it's like tooth it's got like a like a little raspy thing anyway um so they're just looking at it and all of a sudden the lord spoke to me and it was just so good he was like you see that snail and i was like yeah he's like i made that snail and i'm like yeah and he was like i created it just to exist and i was like okay he's like and that gives me pleasure and i was wrecked <laughs> I can't even talk about it without crying. It was just like, it was so intense because I realized that we have our identity in just existing. God values you for taking up space and oxygen. That's it. It was just the loveliest moment because our identity is in him. And so our value is in him. Everything that we are is, is in him. And that gives him pleasure, and it's good. Isn't that incredible? And so does the person who's in a coma, you know, in the hospital right now, have any less value on their life to God because they're not productive? No, not at all. Does a person, you know, who's at home alone versus, you know, the mom who's got 17 kids to look after, any less valuable to God? They're more rested. But that's about it. <laughs> you know, our, it was just an incredible moment that, you know, it was a gift that God gave me this moment. Just, it's okay to just be a child of God. That's our, our identity is in him. And it's out of just being still and knowing that God is God and that he loves us, that everything else comes out, you know. And um, you may not feel 
like it right now, or you may not see it, but God has good works for you to walk in. He's created you in his image, and he's conforming us to the image of his son. Isn't that incredible? All we got to do is just say, okay, God, you know, he's conforming us to his son. And it's amazing, this process of overcoming and being overcomers and you know, it's exciting. And, uh, and I want to say, if you found yourself collaborating with the spirit of accusation today, <laughs> at any time, um, we all do it all the time. Um, we Remember we talked about those eight R's. So just go through it, you know. Recognize, yeah, I've collaborated with accusation. You know, repent. Ask God to forgive you for collaborating with accusation. Accusation against God, first and foremost. Accusation against yourself. Accusation against others. Which is interesting, because what did Jesus say? Today I give you a new commandment. Love God with all your heart, right? Soul and mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's the same. It's, it's all relationship with God's awesome. And, uh, and then just uh, ask, for, ask God to forgive you for the iniquity of collaborating with accusation, and then just take authority over a spirit of accusation. Tell it to go in Jesus' name. I mean, in his name, we talked about that. We have all authority in Christ. All right, so we're just going to pray, and then we're going to close. And uh, I hope you guys got something good out of this message this morning. We hope you did. So, Father God, thank you so much for your goodness, God. Thank you that you are a good God. And, Father, we just ask for your forgiveness for accusing you of things you haven't done and accusing you, assigning lies to your character or things that we thought you did that you shouldn't have done, Father. As we just ask for your forgiveness for that right now, Father, for collaborating with the spirit of accusation. And, God, we just pray that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness regarding accusation. And we just command a spirit of accusation to go right now in the name of Jesus. And, God, we thank you that our identity is rooted and founded in you. God, I thank you that I can be satisfied that I am a daughter of the Most High God, that I have sonship. God, that I am in you. God, that I am your reward. Father God, that is so exciting. God, that I'm your beloved. And that's enough, God, that gives you pleasure. We just thank you for that this morning, Father. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us every time we start to collaborate with a spirit of accusation, that you would put that, that red flag up so that we could recognize and take every thought captive in the captivity of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.